Yo, you kicked that space chicken so hard it went up into orbit, returned to its home planet, and decided to propagate its species. The space chicken appreciates it. Also, we here at A's for Alcoholic appreciate you, Patreon patron, for your continued support. So that being said, yo, buckle up and get ready to start this show, baby! Okay, so it's been a while um, since we've done one of these. Thank you guys yeah, for being has, patient. Um, yeah, thank yeah you I think guys. people are waiting with bated breath on our hot <laughs> takes on some movies from 1985. Was it 85? I don't know. Let me see. I thought it was 88. Uh, 88, yeah. Is it 88? It's 88, When yeah. was Batman? That's a great 89? question. This Is was it like where... Part- when was Batman? You know, in the philosophical <laughs> sense, when was he? When was when was Batman? Where is he? Have you found your inner Batman? Oh, your inner I have. Batman. So we're not talking about Batman today. Um, as you probably already tell if you clicked on this and you're listening to us, we're gonna talk about the nineteen eighty eight um recovery movie, Clean and Sober, starring Michael Keaton. Yeah. Kathy Baker, who is yeah. great. Um yeah. I yeah. kind of have this vague memory of her from movies of that time. Yes. And then M. Emmett Walsh, who basically has been that old as long as I've ever known him. Um, he's just the old fat guy. Um, yeah, dude. Sort of, yes, sort of yes, like, yes. sort of mild mannered, but always seemingly ready to become unhinged. You know, <laughs> he's got mm-hmm. that vibe. Um, and so, um, is executive producer Ron Howard? I don't know if you noticed that at the beginning. I did not notice that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ron Howard. <clears throat> so I think t- a couple of things. I want to. Um, w- I've got some issues with the recovery aspect of this movie, but also, you know, and that's not the sole purpose of our reviews. Just as a movie itself, um, I thought Michael Keaton was fucking pretty awesome. Like I think he yeah, was. Yeah, he was he great. Was, he was really, really great. <clears throat> so the movie revolves around Daryl Pointer. Daryl Pointer, as we'll find out, is a um, real estate uh, broker. He is like Beetlejuice when he was still alive. <laughs> I've been waiting to use that joke. He pretty much looks like alive Beetlejuice. Right? Like, these are the events that led to Beetlejuice's death. <laughs> if he didn't find recovery, uh-huh. I guess. This movie's fucking wild, but go yeah. ahead. So I, that's actually oh, very anyways. accurate. I was th- So I was making a smoothie this, this morning, and I was thinking uh-huh. about it, and I was like, could, is Beetlejuice somehow rehab recovery movie like could it right. be somewhere in there some metaphor that's the or... cautionary tale john is beetlejuice <laughs> this is in the same universe as beetlejuice right it's just that he uh, yeah he that, finds what's his name daryl 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 finds recovery instead of he just does going it off in beetlejuice's version in beetlejuice's version he ods and dies and then becomes beetlejuice <laughs> right he looks like he's got the same fucking haircut i mean so, and what's up with the hair back then? I don't feel like hair and makeup. Like, they just let people fucking roll out there. Just do your shit. Just <laughs> good right? luck. Do your shit. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Especially with men. Men did not. I mean, I, I you know, I comb my hair. Even sure. to come on a fucking podcast, I comb my hair. But just back then, men were just like, put some water in it, and then let's roll. You know, right? everybody looked like they were fucking high on drugs or hung over. Tate Donovan, um, the younger kid. The young kid, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Daryl Pointer um, has some problems, and we, uh, as we find out within the first thirty seconds of the movie, like that, it, it fucking pulls no punches. He wakes up, nope. and um, he immediately is, uh, um, wakes up sniffing and picking, 
at his nose. Immediately, and as we, dude. Like as we start drip. to sort of immediately, you know, and it's Michael Keaton. And so Michael Keaton's got this sort of agitated, jittery vibe to him in all of his movies anyway. Right. So it was perfect. And as right. we start to pan out a little bit, you know, he's like something about like, where's the Coke? And he turns around. There's vodka up on the bed nightstand. Yeah. Um. And you see, then you start to pan out, and then you see a naked woman laying face down behind him, and he's like, "Where's the coke?" Let's yeah. freeze this for a second, though. Okay. I, I, let me yeah. interject. Sure. We freeze this frame. It pans out. There's fucking a plate of coke. There's a bottle of vodka, and there's a naked lady butt behind him. And I'm like, "That's not bad. That looks like a good fucking Saturday." It really does. The addict in my brain was like, this Mm -hmm. is manageable. Right now, this picture, this tableau right here before me, Mm -hmm. like the addict part of my brain is like, that looks super ideal. Like that, that's, that's where my addict wants to go to. But then we, right. You'd be like, oh, if I woke up feeling like shit, you just do a line and uh, have a drink and maybe like give her one and have some fun. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That, that, that that's the fucked up part is the addict in my brain is like even though you and i are teetotalers it's still there going like yo dude look at that postcard that's postcard from jerry's house like jerry's mental house you know what i'm saying <laughs> that is it's total yeah. postcard that moment yeah. just in that but, moment but when nothing is wrong it, you start playing yeah. it and that drip that drip sounds so fucking uncomfortable dude he just oh. it just seems like like even watching you doing it now even when i was watching him do it i started doing it and i'm like that drip just sounds bad like mm-hmm. it just sounds fucking and i know he's selling it but i've been around fools that have had that drip hella i have had that drip hella hard and been really fucking unhappy about it mm-hmm. yeah yeah um so he he does the line he starts to pep up a little bit he gets excited because yeah. there's a naked woman behind him and he goes to like Hell kiss yeah. her kiss her on the butt and grabs her butt and so we get a shot of her him like getting excited but then She's something doesn't feel right to him, and right because she's not like, "Ooh, stop touching my butt!" Crazy right, you know. Juice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then he's like, "Oh no, oh shit!" And he starts to panic. And the next shot is of him talking to the police. Right. So I thought she was dead, but turns out too. she had had a heart attack. Right. We did. We start the movie with M. Emmett Walsh giving a share. In the group. Oh yes, thank you. That's right. And You're I wanted right. to add about M. Emmett Walsh. Thank you. He's the one of the machine operators in Raising Arizona, and it's he does one of my favorite lines in Raising Arizona. I had to look it up where he's like, "No, not that mother scratcher, Bill Parker." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's like, anyway, we're approaching the wreck, and there's a round spherical object in the road. Like he does that line. It's like one of my favorite lines. He's like, Bill's walking down the street with a sandwich in one hand and a fucking head in the other hand. And I don't know why. I, he, I was, But his share in the beginning is... is it's beautiful. Yeah. He t- it is what, beautiful, dude. He really does. And I feel bad now that I did not write that that part down. Um, I only wrote one word. Well, hammer. Hammer. That's yes. all I wrote was the oh, word hammer. He's talking and then about, I wrote, yes. your life is no longer manageable. Because he talks about being on a two-day bender... He's in the shower, he falls down, he breaks his nose, and his nose is laying flat on his face, and he talks about trying to straighten it out by hitting it, 
tapping it with a hammer and then he looks himself that's like his rock that's his bottom and he looks himself in the mirror and says your life is no longer manageable mm-hmm. and i looked at my wife because megan's like can i watch this with you and i'm like sure it's a fucking recovery movie i don't know what you're gonna get out of it you know uh-huh and so i looked at her and i'm like dude the thing about movies like these is they have these shares in the movies sometimes and some of them are just like way the fuck out there and some of them like this seems like someone who wrote this movie or someone who was helping write this movie heard that in a meeting do you know what I mean? That sounds plausible yeah. to hear that in a meeting. I went and looked up the, the writer and the director to see if any of them were in recovery, and I couldn't. I but it just some of these meetings, some of the shares in the meetings play out like they mm-hmm. would, like I've heard. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I actually started laughing, and that part made me laugh because he was like, "My life is no longer manageable," and it's not played as a comedic line, but I think like the alcoholic AA, like uh, you know the. Hearing some wild fucking shares, it, it like cracked me up, you know. Well, there was a part I actually was just reading. Um, I was just reading uh, the family afterward. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to bring in literature here, but it's just you. You bring up um, outsiders are sometimes shocked when we burst into merriment over seemingly tragic experience out of the past. But why shouldn't we right. laugh? We have recovered and have been given right. the power to help others. And it happens a few times in this movie where they're in their group and they're giving shares and they all start laughing at something fucked. Oh, we'll go we'll go to it, but there mm-hmm. is a scene where they're talking about how it's they're all like just sitting there in this other one more tableau, almost like a breakfast club tableau. Everybody's in a separate pose mm-hmm. and this woman's talking about how hard it is and how much it sucks and she just wants to get better and like how rough it is on her family and then it pans back and there's another woman sitting in a chair and she goes you know, to make this better. And they're like, what? And she's like, a drink. And then they all start fucking laughing. And I yes. started laughing. In yeah. the beat, I started laughing because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, bitch, of course it would. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But of course it wouldn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's. what are we doing? So back, he, so he, he's he's talking to the cops. She, We find out that she's had a heart attack. He, the police are yeah. like, you better, you know, is she going to be okay? And the cop says, you better th- you better hope so, asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, you going to go to fucking jail. Right, you know? right. Mm-hmm. So... So he is, he just was doing coke with a woman who's now had a heart attack and is being taken to the hospital. The mm-hmm. police know who he is and where he lives. Um, and then the next scene, you see him at the fucking airport in a very, that, something that would never happen um, today, obviously. This is definitely no. a movie of its time. Would have uh, gone down in 1988. Give me a ticket to anywhere. Right? Slap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's like whatever it was, St. Louis, Minneapolis, anywhere. And so. And just give me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, and you, that doesn't that doesn't work that way anymore these days. Um, no. But uh, so and his credit card doesn't work. It's declined. And um, so then he wakes up in the parking lot of the airport because he doesn't know where the mm-hmm. fuck to go, and he's stuck there. Um, and I just remember thinking, and I've said we said this before, but I have it written down. Keaton is is a great strung out cokehead. Like he yeah, just he, is, he embodies yes. this person, mm-hmm. this Daryl. Mm-hmm. Um and so then he goes to talk to his friend, Martin, who's a coworker, because he needs um money, right? And yeah. he needs a place to stay. I, He's afraid I, to go home. I, I thought it was his brother at first. And oh. then I realized it was his coworker. It was, that's his coworker. And but this initially I was like, Right. Really the actor Brian Benben was in a HBO series called Dream On. If you remember that. Is that the main character from Dream On? Yeah. That was a weird comedy. It was a fucking yes. total baby boomer. That was some boomer shit. Yes, were, it he was. Would like, 
Yeah, it had titties and then scenes from old TV shows cut into right, it to right. like signify mm-hmm. their point. Yeah, and now I'm looking back on it. I'm like, there you go. This movie is a boomer movie. Yes, yes it yeah, is. Yeah, y'all fucking boomers <laughs> did all that coke. Mm-hmm. Fuck the economy all up. So, now, I'm, now I'm almost your age. I can't even own a house. All right, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> Just let's get back in the movie. So I'm mad at it. So mad. he's like, basically, and he's like, I just need money. I need a place to stay. And the guy's like, no, I'm sorry. I can't. I want to help you, but yeah. I can't. I can't. And his he wife's like. beer. Yeah. No, we're yeah, not, she's we're not like, fucking no, dude, this guy. That fucking cokehead is going to. Um, yeah. And so, and then I just remember him. I wrote this down. It says, can I get another beer? Like, if I can't have money, I can't have a place to stay. And it's just that seeking of refuge and relief. You're like, anything. Mm-hmm. Fucking yeah. give me 12 it's, ounces of Amstel Light. It's funny in my notes, too. I wrote, <laughs> you mind getting me another one of those beers? Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Yeah, that, that both like resonated with us. Like, well, if I can't stay here and you won't give me money, at least give me the benefit of another fucking beer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And then he's driving in the car, and he's got a bottle of like Stoli that he's pouring into a paper cup. I think oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. he's just kind of whatever. And in a, in a very... Now, some might say it's a little coincidental or cliched moment. He hears the commercial for a rehab center on the on the radio. But yeah. also, some might say these are those God-shot moments that we have actually come across in our own lives. Right. So is it, wouldn't the um, exist those coincidences and those existences, those instances of a higher power like mm-hmm. working its way through life in a sense could be really fucking cliched because that's how cliche uh, that's how coincidences are they're very mm-hmm. cliched sure like i don't think i've ever had a, a a power greater than me kind of coincidence in my life or some coincidence in my life that feels like there's something else kind of pushing and nudging that hasn't felt like a fucking cliche you know what i mean where your your internal monologue isn't like come on really Come on, you gotta be kidding inside. me! No, Jesus, I'm like feeling really? radiant, like whoa, like oh. I'm feeling awestruck. Not awestruck, man. I, I can't find the right word for it, but I'm feeling like shocked by this coincidence, or just that weird goosebumpy kind of like something bigger than me is making my butthole pucker right now because I could not fathom this happening in the crudest of ways. That's the way I can put it, you know. Like me too. No, when it's happened, I, I just yeah. meant like the internal monologue for me is like. Like, I'm still, I can't believe that this little tiny miracle or coincidence is happening. I'm like, right. like really? In hindsight, in yes. Hindsight. In, yes. In hindsight, I'm always like, yeah, Jerry, you really lined it up that you ended up tattooing five people in recovery in the space of two weeks when you hadn't seen a person in recovery for about five years before that. Really, Jerry? Really? That's that's what, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, So, and this is not an epiphany to get sober, by the way in his uh when in that moment this we, is yeah he sees the, it's interesting right because he sees rehab as a place to hide it's in a it's in a big giant one of these state-run hospital kind of places right and so he's like well the cops can't find me if this girl dies oh and um this he owes this, money he owes a lot of money to uh the company that he works for he embezzled he, money yeah yeah, and I've heard this story too from people, and it's fucking terrifying. I mean, it's like, it's one thing to be in debt; it's another thing to have stolen tens of thousands of dollars from your boss. And then tried to he tried took it from his boss, tried to put it into the st- part part of it into the stock market to make more money back, and then used part of it to buy coke and get fucked up, and then lost it all. <laughs> yeah, 
So I think he's trying to outrun that too, right? Initially, I thought he was trying to outrun a drug dealer, right? Because that's part of the trope. I'm mm-hmm. going to run from a drug dealer. But then it turns out it's not. He's running from <sighs> his work finding out. And this woman, this, if this woman dies, he doesn't want to be pr- prosecuted for it. Right, right. Right. Um, so he checks himself into rehab um, basically to hide out. Not even to get yeah. sober. He's just like, well, if I'm in the hospital, then he tells the nurse, like, so anonymity, nobody's going to know. Yes, perfect. That's exactly yeah. what I need. And I just remember, and so there's a lot of um, definitely 80s vibes to this where he's laying in bed and sort of coming to the realization of his uh, reality and like the sort of like dramatic saxophone music comes in. Yeah, and he's kinda dude. Just, <clears throat> the score to this movie is real crazy, dude. I've it is. It is. With it. Yeah. There's a couple, there were some others. I wanted to go and actually get the score to this movie because there was a couple of songs in there where I was like, this is fucking intense. Like, it's just, but it's very well, much of its time, right? Right. So this scene, when he comes in and they run him through the ropes of rehab and they're like, we're going to give you Librium. We're going to do this. You're going to get sick. You're going to have fucking crazy dreams. You're mm-hmm. going to sweat. You probably throw up. So I remember seeing this movie when I was a kid. In 1980, okay. I was like 13. Yeah, I was like 13. So I saw this movie when I was like between the ages of 13 and 15, I saw this movie. And that scene stuck with me in my entire life. And I was telling Megan, it occurred to me yesterday when I watched it last night, I was like, oh shit, this is it. This is this is that linchpin in my life. Because when I was trying to get sober, when I wanted, when I thought about getting sober, this is what I thought of how bad it would be. Like this is what recovery looked like to me in my mm-hmm. brain from watching this movie as a kid. It laid mm-hmm. it all out. It said, you're going to be in a bathrobe. You're going to be smoking cigarettes. Some dude's going to flip out. You're going to fucking throw up. You're going to see spiders on the walls. It was this, and there was an episode of Cops where they busted a guy who was going through the DTs hella hard. And, of course, like like the police in this country, do they just handcuff a guy going through DTs. That's great. Anyway, this guy's going through DTs, and he's, like, seeing spiders everywhere and shit. Like, hallucinate him while they're arresting him. And those two things stuck to me. It was the fucking spiders, and it was the fucking idea of, like, throwing up and having to do all this this awful fucking shit. And that's why I didn't want to get sober. Sure. Sure. I was yeah. so afraid of that. Yeah, and it was this movie. Huh. It was really weird, man. I was like, oh, this movie that I resentfully am watching right now. <laughs> it ended up being this important part of my life, you know? Because I did. I mm. came to this real resentful. I was like, fucking John, make me do homework. Now I got to watch a movie about recovery and sit here and stare at my own belly button about how I'm a fucking recovering alcoholic. And then 10 minutes into it, I'm like, I really like this movie. Like, this is, I think I need to be watching this movie. <clears throat> well, Michael Keaton sells it because I was feeling the same way about it, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, this is going to yeah. be so fucking cliched. And this, like, right. oh, God, exactly. I mean, exactly. I was yeah. like, Jesus, I see it. But, but he really, really, like, the performance, the acting is really great yeah, from everybody. And he is the epitome of what they call a survival machine, right? And I don't know if they use, I hmm. remember going to an NA meeting with my sponsor. And at this NA meeting that somebody in their share or in their literature at the beginning had used the term survival machine. Like you would cease to become a human being and now your only purpose is to survive. And hmm. so your the your uh, fuel and the, 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 the mechanism that makes you continue to survive is your drug of choice. And so I see him on the phone doing making these calls and trying to hustle. And I, I'm like, he's not – he's shady – and he's really slippery, but the reason why he's shady and slippery is because he's trying to fucking live. This brain is telling him this is the only way he can live. Like him as a person overall, I don't think he was a shitty person. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think he was a shitty person, but it, that wasn't his motivating factor was to be a fucking asshole. His motivating factor was to be a survival machine. Was right. to continue, 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 you know, any means possible to get that fuel to continue running, you know? Right. And yeah. so in this, once he gets detoxed and then they're yeah. like, you're going to meet your counselor. And yeah. I, I, <laughs> I just I got enter, enter Craig. <laughs> Craig, so Megan's like, oh, it's that guy. Because I saw his name, Morgan Freeman's name in the beginning. And I was uh-huh. like, I wonder where he's going to be. And he's like so young, dude. Yeah. I thought Morgan Freeman has always been 80 in my eyes. Or like an old guy. Yeah. Like I was waiting for him to come in <clears throat> old as fuck, you know. And, you know, uh, speaking of hair, like they really did my man dirty in this movie. Craig's they hair really is did, fucked dude. up. They could Even fucking the other person of color who's in the movie, that dude's hair is like cleaned up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like his mm-hmm. hair is shortly shorn. Well, his it's it's lined up a little nicer and then Freeman's just like it's just a spider convention. <laughs> it's just what not fuck, good. Dude. And I mean no. I get it that he's supposed to be a rough and tumble I don't give a shit kind of rehab drug counselor but like No, he could do that with a baseball cap on. <laughs> Something. It was <laughs> I was just like, "Come on, man." <clears throat> um so he sits down Tells Michael Keaton to get off the fucking phone, unplugs the phone, because right. Michael Keaton's like, yo, his drug dealer won't even talk to him anymore, because yeah. the drug dealer knows he, he doesn't have any money. Yeah, so, yeah. So when your drug dealer won't talk to you, at some point, you know, that's still not enough for him to be like, this is unmanageable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I love this, so they're talking, and... um. And what does Morgan Freeman say? What does Craig say? He says, an addict's least favorite word is no. Yeah, wow. And I was like, that, that was great? like, wow, that's fucking great, man. That's a that's awesome. And he's like, ask me ask me to use Somebody my phone again. Somebody must have been in recovery oh, when they yeah. wrote this. There I was... gotta tell you, because there's just some shit in there where I'm like, yo, dude. Mm-hmm. Anyway, keep going. There's, I'll, We'll get to them. We get to them. And I know you please... noticed them, too. But please fill in the blanks if I miss something here. But yeah, uh, no. He says just, he says you know yeah. ask me to use my phone, and he's like, no. Can I use your phone? No, no. Nope. And he basically yeah. it's like whatever. Come back the next day or whatever it is. Yeah, I just <laughs> and I said hair and makeup did Craig wrong. That's what I had yeah. there. My note <laughs> under that too was uh, Michael Keaton is America's shady dad. You know, like Tom Hanks is America's good dad, and Michael Keaton's like, yo, son, I'm finally back from getting that pack of cigarettes and gallon of milk I went out for 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what Michael Keaton is uh-huh. to me. Like, he just took off, and now he's back. Because like, I saw him in that newer Spider-Man movie, and I'm like, oh, shit, dad's back. Like, fuck yeah, dude, we're going to party. Where When I see Tom, Tom's always just like, do you need help? Do you need a co-signer? Let's go. For your fucking rental, you know? Yeah, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, Michael Keaton's always been like, you wanted to get some cocaine yeah. you know what i mean like it just i mean it ain't a big deal whatever i mean no that's not I a big deal we're just partying you know, a little bit i'm not like part. a drug addict or anything i just like to party like <laughs> all the fucking time <laughs> and so then the next scene we meet his roommate he's and i just i have shaving shaving with a cigarette and then i have jerry because ah, my wife that's funny. Keep going, dude. Megan said the same thing. Because in this last video that I uploaded to YouTube, which it's not available publicly and it should not be and nobody needs to see it, but there's some shots and Jerry is in my my apartment or our house or something. And he's, I'm in your apartment. For some reason, know. I'm shaving. 
right? Because you, I don't know, we were getting ready to go out, and it's like, but were you using my razor? Did it fucking matter? I don't know. Fresh yeah, razor. didn't matter. Whatever. I was using your razor, but, um, probably. But you just, you got your face full of shaving cream, and you got a cigarette in your mouth, and that's what Michael yeah. Keaton has. In and I was seat. worried of fear and loathing in Las Vegas visor, <laughs> shaving so. with a hat on. No shirt, fat, bloated, like whiskey bloated as fuck, shaving with a hat on and a cigarette. And Megan's like, that's just like that. That's you. That's how you used to shave with a she's, cigarette hanging out of your mouth. She, she said that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why I thought it was funny when you brought it up because she's like, that's you. So then Coda asked, like made a comment on Instagram. He's like, when do I get to see this movie? So I sent him a link to it and he's like, thanks, man. And I'm like, no, dude, just wait. Because it's you cutting your own hair with a bowl. So it's going to be rad as fuck. Anyway, yeah, he's in there shaking <clears throat> the smoke, being a dick. Like, does mm-hmm. it, it, closed door. His roommate, Literally yeah, his roommate door. comes in and he's like, just ignores him and fucking shuts the door. Well, and his, his roommate face. starts telling him his drug log too, or his alcohol, you know, his, his drunk log, drug log, which I also realize is really funny in the context of the program, the way some of us relate to each other. And I've done it a lot and then questioned it is like, we start talking about our addiction immediately with it. Not like, Hey, that's a cool shirt or Hey, how you doing? It's like, yeah, man. Like, it got really fucking bad for me in 2011. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember going to this big AA convention, and the speaker, one of the main speakers, he ended up, he got tattooed at the shop, and I didn't know if I could go to the convention. He says, hey, I got you for free. Come in. I'll give you a free pass. You can come. And it was like a huge convention here in Eugene. It was like 400 people there. Mm -hmm. So he sees me. Hey, come on. Sit at my table. Puts me up front in this huge hall full of 400 people, and he sits me down with these, like, three guys and their wives who are friends of mine. And I started talking to this guy, and we started talking about Arizona. Because he says, oh, where are you from originally? I said, Arizona. He's like, oh, yeah, where from? I said, well, last time I was lived there, I lived there this time. I was like, that's about right where I started hitting my rock bottom. That's where the drinking got really bad for me. It was in like 2011 in Arizona. And he's like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And then I, in hindsight, I was like, why did I just throw that information out there in conversation? And that's because... I'm like, oh, this dude can relate. Let's just conversationally talk about our fucking rock bottom because that's, I guess, how we roll here now, you know? But I've always felt weird about doing that afterwards. In the moment, I just do it. And that's what the kid is doing in the room. He's like, do you know what I'm saying? He's like doing his fucking, like, hey, this is what I'm here for. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're here. This is the thing that's happened. The elephant elephant in the room that we've been ignoring is now like. There it is. Yeah. It's the only thing. Um, yeah, and Keaton's just like, nah, pff, uh, I don't want to fucking talk to you. I want to keep smoking and shaving. Right. Well, Daryl ends up getting kicked out of rehab. Right. Um, he fucking keeps trying to use the phone. They tell him to get the fuck out. I don't want you here. Um, and It's like you're just fucking around too much. Like, you don't take this shit seriously. You're just here fucking around. You don't give a fuck. So get rehab has kicked him out. His drug dealer won't answer his calls, um, his coworker or his friend won't talk to him. So right. he goes to the office, he breaks into the office or sneaks into the office and he's looking for drugs or money. I think Is it's that drugs. What he's looking for? Is I it, think I so. I thought it was drugs too because he was tearing through it. So he tears up he, the whole office yeah. looking for this envelope for drugs. That lady, that lady, like that beat is played out for drama's sake. But it was a little funny when he looks up at that lady's just standing there mm-hmm. and she's just like, I'll be back. I'll come back later. I'll come, I'll come back, back later. later and all she, she wheels really out. Beat. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I was like, this is supposed to be serious, but it's a little fucking funny because she's just backing out like, I'll be back later. 
and he's like, no, it's all good. I'll clean it all up. You know, I'm just tearing this place to bits. I I didn't watch it deeply for this particular aspect, but I got to say the editing was pretty spot on with everything too. Yeah, you know when you well, think about the beats, one, right? Yeah. Those things, and yes, like the those, way that things mm-hmm. are cut. And it's hitting with that musical cue, which is really dissonant and really fucked up. And the music the whole time elicits mm-hmm. panic because it, there's no rhythm or melody. It's just sounds just banging around like these synthesized sounds while he's tearing through and cursing and trying to either find. I think he's looking for his stash of coke that he was asking right. for his partner to FedEx to him. Right. Because in hospital. his mind, he's like, oh, I can't even fucking do rehab, right? What the fuck? And then I might as well just fucking do some coke and figure it out from here. Like, then we'll plan. We'll plan right. from there. We'll just get what we need and we'll plan. And that dude is like, what, three days sober at that point? It's like, God yeah. damn, this fucking movie. Three so days. one of the really big emotional scenes is when he called, and it's just him on the phone, so there's no other actors in it. And it's amazing. That's great. He kills it, dude. He's talking to his mom on the phone. Yeah, and dude. God he, damn, dude. He beats around the bush, but he ultimately tells his mom that he needs $30,000 and that she should put a second mortgage on the home. And he's like, Yo, dude. and so on the other line, just from his reactions, you know, mm-hmm. his mom starts crying and, you know, no, you don't have to go live somewhere else. It's going to be okay. And then he's just like, never mind. So it's gotten to the he point. He tells her, take the money. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. But he tells her, take the money you were going to give me in your will and give it to me now while you're still alive. Would you rather, wouldn't you rather see me enjoying and using the money now while you're alive than just giving it to me after you're dead? Like so fucking manipulative. So wild. And he does great. Like, he has to just act with a phone and do it, like, hard. Like, he fucking killed it in that aspect. I thought about, like, Jurassic Park, and they fucking wave a tennis ball in front of Chris Pratt, and he's got to put his (laughs) hands out, like, whoa there, Nelly, to, like, a fake velociraptor. And I'm like, that's pretty good. But this dude with a phone trying to have a hard emotional conversation, trying to gaslight and manipulate your mom to give you 30 grand to pay your boss back so you can still keep working to get more coke. And his car is a piece of shit, and he's killing it in the real estate game. Yeah. You know how much money? If you sold 23 properties in a year, you'd be making, even back in the 80s, you'd be making more than 250 grand I think it was 23 like properties be, in a quarter or something. In you know? a, something wild like that. But you would have, you would net so much money. And his car is a piece of shit because he spent all his money on coke and <laughs> fucking booze, dude. Um. Yeah, and like his yeah. apartment's not all. I mean, I guess it's okay for '88 standards, but like it's all right for '88. Right. He's probably fucking living it up, you know. Right. So yeah. So he does this thing. He's out there. He's like, so he goes back to rehab because he literally has no other recourse. And I don't know. I feel like at this point in the movie, he's actually like, okay, maybe I should try this thing for real. Like maybe that's his rock bottom. As he realizes is- that. That might be his like moment of clarity that he's like, I just made my mom fucking cry and asked her to give me the money she was gonna give me when her and dad die, because he's like put dad on, you yeah. know, and and then like she just hangs up on him, or maybe he hangs up, I don't yeah. know. But that scene is, that was heavy, man. Yeah, yeah. So he's back in rehab, and they go to their first AA meeting, and Craig's hair is all fucked up still. <laughs> It's just right. so dude the van. And so the they take van. bunch of bunch of dude now and just to be clear, Jerry and I have never been to rehab. I don't we don't know what no, it's like. No, but the va- um, I'm very familiar from AA with the van. I okay. know the van. I have not ridden in the van. I but have you've seen, seen the, van. the van pull up 
a lot, like every time, especially in early recovery. In my first 18 months, John, when I was still smoking cigarettes, I would like chain smoke up until the moment I had to walk through the door. Like the Jesus. minute they started doing the prayer, I'd be like putting the cigarette out, going inside because I didn't want to fucking talk to anybody. I didn't want to socialize. But every time a white van would pull up and eight fucking guys would get out between the ages of 18 and fucking 40. And I, and when the van pulled up and he turns, freaking turns around and tells them all like, hey, like you need to hear something in there. You need to find something you relate to in there, which is great. That's mm-hmm. like your, that's your fucking recovery cornerstone. You know, you got to relate. Mm-hmm. But I, I, once again, I turn to my wife and like the vans, I'm very familiar with the vans and seeing eight desperate young men get out or eight desperate men. You know, because usually it was all groups of men. I think they would separate them from the women. They would take the women. Sure. And it was because I did a lot of stag meetings in the beginning. And Mm -hmm. that's why the van would pull up is because they would take all the dudes to stag meetings and be like. Right. To the Y'all don't need to be fucking harassing this woman like Michael Keaton did in the meeting. Yeah. Oh, well, and there was a couple. Yeah. There was a couple things where the woman gets up and reads. She reads the preamble or reads how it works. And she gets a big applause. Yeah. And I don't know if she got the applause or the preamble, and I was like, that's not really how it works, but whatever. Yeah. Um, it's all inaccurate. Know. Even, like, the podium with the tables with the four people sitting there, like, I was like, maybe meetings are different in the 80s, or maybe this is – I haven't been to a meeting. Sure. I've been to a meeting with a podium, and I have been to a meeting with a podium and two guys sitting at a table, but it wasn't so official where there was a fucking stage right. and shit. But So – Anyhow, well, not not terribly important, but um, right, little details um, that we notice are different than maybe that's maybe it's a East Coast thing. Maybe, maybe. we're just used to our right, soft this is West Coast Philly. sit in a circle, hold hands <laughs> shit that we do here, right? Where I mean, you know, we all start the meeting by saging ourselves. We burn mm-hmm. some incense and yeah, mm-hmm. we pass around the crystal. You know, yep, <laughs> that's exactly what happens. That's a West Coast meeting. Oh man, um. But yeah, so looking for a sponsor, and I I just write here that basically Craig says you need to go in there and find a sponsor. All of you, find yeah, somebody. All of you. And I just write here, Daryl is a shit heel, because um, <laughs> he's he going around. Heel, he's asking all the women, like he the woman who was up there, this very pretty young lady, like be you know he's basically just hitting on anybody that he can, because like I ain't got yeah. drugs, I don't have booze, maybe I can get laid, and so they'll make the dopamine, you know. Um, and so he he how does he meet richard exactly does he come up to him he hits him up he fucking cold hits him up after the meeting richard does to daryl yeah daryl's outside smoking richard walks up and says how you doing tonight blah 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 daryl's sitting there eyeballing the fucking phone booth and he's like you really want to walk over that phone don't you (laughs) that's right (laughs) no what are you talking about he's like here you need somebody to call call me gives him a little meeting schedule with his number in it yeah. Give me up if you need me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one thing, I think I wrote this down and I didn't write down who said it. But um, so after the meeting, I, they go back into the rehab and I just wrote, you got to know you got a problem. And I think that was yeah. Craig who said that. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt I, like it was him. Yeah. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to say one of the things I think, you know, we, we say a lot of times, well, you can't help somebody who doesn't who doesn't want help. And yeah. I do believe that and I, but I've come I've been thinking about that lately and like there are things you can do for those people who are not ready to receive help. I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with being available and yeah. being present and you know, letting them know that you're there even if it right. is and and setting a good example. So those those are things well, you can do. 
But you gotta be sturdy, right? Though mm-hmm. as well, you gotta be available, but you can't be a pushover. Right. You right. gotta be available, but you gotta know your boundaries and your limits, and you can't let people push on your boundaries or limits. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So I just I just love that line. You gotta know you got a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other one too? And I had to bring up Wikipedia because I <clears throat> forgot it, and then I remembered when I was reading through the. It was the the best way to break old habits is to make new ones. Is that when they're doing all the push-ups and shit? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, dude. If I, Ezekiel, dude. That dude wilds out. Yeah, dude grabs a fucking TV and like he throws a <laughs> ashtray through a TV. He's running around with his butt hanging out of the fucking gown. Yes. all out, dude. Strong as fuck. I'm like, just let him go because he's going to beat the fuck out of everybody in here. He's a giant dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ezekiel's um, doing the push-ups all crushing it. And I said, I looked at Megan and said, that's me and John. Yeah, Megan started laughing. I'm like, "That's me, John. We're replacing our fucking addiction with just crushing push-ups, making Whatever that noise it takes, too." Man. Yeah. <sighs> Those last few, <sighs> though, I'm fucking. I'm like grunting. <sighs> Sounds like I'm fucking pushing a hemorrhoid out. Me too. Man. Yeah, me too, dude. Me too. Especially the cur- the last few uh, uh, <sighs> crunches and push-ups are rough, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, um, the weight on your chest. Fuck yeah. That. I noticed too at the one point they do a family uh, group session, which I just said seemed a little intense. Like very intense, right? Like to bring like your your family and your loved ones in who have been dealing with your alcoholism, and then like fucking just yell at each other. Like I'm not sure. Bitch, you flushed my rock down the toilet. <laughs> I was just like, dude, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Bitch, you flushed my rock down the toilet. Like, mm-hmm. and she's just like, you whoop my ass and fucking spend all our money just whoa dude i've been in family group therapy like that and Mm -hmm. it's not comfortable i hated it it did not make me help me solve my problems so moving forward um they give him a pass craig finally says you're doing all right do you want to pass you can leave for 24 hours i'm assuming be bad yeah me too i I thought it was gonna be bad news yeah so he goes back to his house and there's these posters all over his Mm -hmm. his door um and they say the Daryl here is a murderer, murdered my daughter with cocaine. Um, so it turns out that the woman dies from the heart yeah. attack from the cocaine. Mm-hmm. And the posters are strewn all over his neighborhood. Yeah, like dude. on every single car. And he's just like, I don't know where the fuck to go. So I think at one point he does go to the mall and he's like so he's at he's like at a mall, he's at a payphone, and he's trying to call his dealer. Yeah. But he grabs the wrong scrap of paper out of his pocket. Yeah. And accidentally calls Richard, who yeah. s- s- offered to be a sponsor from the AA meeting. Yeah. Yeah. He's and like, let's like, do some business. Yeah. <laughs> let's do some, I want to do some business. It's business time, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that, that, yeah, that Flight of the Concord song? It's right, business exactly. time. Yeah, it's business time. Um, so uh, Richard's like, this isn't Larry, but I'm happy to help. Right. And this next part, I felt seemed a little intense and a little much, but maybe I don't know. He basically tells him yes. to do a fearless force and searching a step, right? A four step. He tells him to do a searching yeah. and fearless inventory in the next hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I meet told me at Megan, the fucking. Uh, that seems really intense. Like that dude just flat out told him to do a four step. I mean, I guess he was calling him to ask need. him to buy him drugs, and then Megan goes. Maybe he's just trying to give him something to do to kill time so he doesn't go get fucked up. You That's know what it. I mean? I was yeah. like, oh, I never looked at it from that angle. So maybe it's not the movie misrepresenting the way the program works. Although everybody does the program differently. Right. I mean, it, there's no – they're all suggestions. But 
maybe it was more him kind of manipulating his actions to be like, don't get fucked up. Sit down and do this little activity I got planned for you, and then we'll talk. Mm-hmm. You know? So they meet at the at the diner. Fucking, and then he fist steps him. Yeah, he fist steps him. He tells him that everything. Four steps, hilarious. Um, it reads like a like chunk in the Goonies. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, what does he say? Except, He's like, yeah, I did this from seventh grade, and then yeah, it's like just like chunk shit. from the Goonies, dude. Yeah, it's and then he's eating wig. Yeah. Sugar, 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 I have written down here because he talks, he's like, what's up with you guys and all your fucking cakes and ice cream? I wrote so much sugar is so what I wrote. Much, yes. And Megan even brought it up before he made the comment. She goes, look at all that sugar. It's just like you were. You know, like, it was funny to watch it with my wife. Yeah. Because yeah. she was like, that's just like you were. Eating cakes. And then he says, what's up with all this, sh- what's up with all this, all this shit? And he's like, addicts are compulsive. That's it. He doesn't, he doesn't apologize for it. He doesn't make any, he doesn't explain it. He just says, addicts are impulsive. And he just keeps eating the fucking ice cream and the and the cake. He's got like three milkshakes there and a cake and shit. And I was like, that looks good, actually. It does. That is also another postcard from Jerry's inner workings. Right. Where I'm like, three milkshakes and a cake? That's 2020 Jerry party. Oh, man. God, yeah. I just would feel so sick afterwards. I have. I would. I know. But, in the, I but know, it would be good. I, that moment. Uh-huh, that snapshot. Just, uh, just, yeah. Um. So they do it. So he's kind of making some progress. Daryl's still a shit heel, by the way, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by that for the most of the rest of the movie. Um, yes, because uh, this is also early sobriety. We're talking. This is just the fucking rehab. This is like yeah. only thirty days of this man's life. There is gonna be repercussions for years after this, right? We don't yes, even get to yes. see all of that. So, do we only get through the first thirty fucking days? Right. Of this movie. Okay. That shit shook so, me. Right, so that's okay. That's that's something to keep in mind. Um, And I said there's all these highly unstructured meetings because, but they're not necessarily AA meetings. They're just like they're like therapy. They're like therapy meetings, and people are sharing and not sharing, and people are kind of just fucking talking. And like, I guess that's fine. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's it's good to have different kinds of stuff. Maybe maybe not every meeting has to have the structure and the organization of an AA meeting. I don't know. Right. Right, you, you, you. I mean, I've been in group therapy, mm-hmm. and I would, I would like to say mm-hmm. that, like in the movie, well, like in the movies, they always portray it like one person always freaks out at group therapy and fucking screams and yells and storms out, you know, or like group therapy is always really emotionally traumatic. And I've been in a lot of group therapy meetings, and like some of them were rough, but we were teenagers, so mm-hmm. people were going wild out. But some of them were just boring ass therapy meetings where people just talked about shit they were upset about you know what i mean right um i don't know you know i think it would benefit in rehab to be able to get to the meat of what's going on and learn some shit and Mm -hmm. learn some tools outside of aa or outside of that program but they're just pushing a program on them the whole time you know yeah yeah which is i mean that's what that's what you had at the time and that's what was available to people so so at this point one of the women her name's iris um she's she's a pretty woman who's uh michael keaton's yeah. What movie? Go ahead. She was in Alien Nation. Were you talking about that pretty lady? Yeah. That, oh, yeah, she was. That is in all those late 80s movies, and she was like a stripper in Alien Nation. She always shows up as like a sex bomb in the movies, which is weird because she's mm-hmm. very much an 80s sex bomb. Like she's, <coughs> a, like she's very much part of that era as far as like what Hollywood considered to be attractive to men mm-hmm. back then. They're like, oh, this woman is like very sultry and she has right. dark, dark hair, and but her eyes are light. and Yeah. 
Um, so turns out that she has been using, and we find out because because um, Craig is like, He's I can see it in your eyes. Sniff it out. Right? I can see what it you in your it? eyes. Take a couple of Seroquils. What you got in there? Got some fucking right? disco biscuits? Taking the disco <laughs> biscuits? See it. And so she leaves. She's like, fine. Whatever. Fuck it. Yeah, I've been using. Who cares? Yeah. So, boom. We've lost one. Um, and then um, Charlie hits, or, um, or Daryl hits on Charlie. Charlie played by Kathleen Baker. She's the other mm-hmm. woman in the in the group. And then right. um, we cut to Sober Dance. Dude, let's talk about Sober Dance. I okay. love, personally, I love Sober Dance. I do. I don't, not just the scene. I've only been to one Sober Dance and I loved it. And I really regret that before quarantine, I should have gone to fucking more. And I didn't. <laughs> and I'm really mad at myself because I really enjoyed Sober Dances. I, that one I went to. And the one in this movie is pretty great. Because you have the guy at the beginning that they insinuate is gay because but they don't ever flat out say he's gay but he talks about what he does for a living and there's this beat where the men are like you do hair like you gay as hell you do hair do you know because it's an 80s thing he's a a hair consultant yes there's a lot of dated shit and that guy is the same guy who's the dj at the dance and he starts Mm -hmm. playing the music and gets out and lip syncs the whole song Mm -hmm. told from the point of view of a woman i can't remember what song it was but once again they're like this guy's a super good dancer he loves music a hair consultant he's gay but then to me i'm like, I'm, like i would like to call myself a super good dancer and i love hair and i love music i'm i don't feel gay so you got it wrong mm-hmm. 80s but in right. the dance i had written down <laughs> in the dance there's a couple shit that dance is problematic as fuck but there is a, a, a overarching theme i felt that was it was broken people trying to glue themselves back into a shape that they think is normal do you know yeah. what I mean? Not back into a normal shape, but a shape you think is normal. And that's what I got at the the dance I went to and kind of the – and a lot of the, the social functions within the program of people in recovery. It was a lot of like we're trying to put ourselves back together in a way we think is normal. The, our, our perception of what normal is. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I found it really profound. I, I found that scene really endearing, other than the problematic aspects of it, you know. Well, the kind of homophobia and the racism in it. But other than that, it was I enjoyed right. It. <clears throat> so there was there was some of that, and there's some back and forth. And Daryl's, you know, finally gets to dance with Charlie, and they do a slow dance. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of sweet and tender for a moment, for a brief moment, you know. But he's obviously trying to hit on anyone, and so now she is the one that's getting the attention from him and you know he says they ask each other what they do for a living and she's a crane operator in like a steel mill and so he's a real estate broker and um and the thing that i that caught my mind was normally we people who normally do not mix yeah yeah right Mm -hmm. and so and again probably whoever wrote this knew exactly what they were doing because they'd been there. So like there's all this subtlety about it, right? Yeah. Like there's the scene too with Ezekiel sitting on the bed and there's just a huge pile of fucking Mm -hmm. Hershey kisses wrappers. Once again, going back to the sugar aspect of alcoholism and just, yeah. And addiction and hitting that and and the compulsive behavior. And yeah, people who would normally not hang out. Yeah. Like this dude, they're hanging out and it's, yeah. But I like the hope within that scene that they all start dancing. They're all enjoying themselves, you know. And I also feel like there's a weird thing that is kind of goes – is a weird subtext in it where Daryl is 
always kind of likes her, but he desperate hits on her out of desperation. She doesn't become this real true object of affection until she starts dancing with that other guy who's like really seductive with her and touching mm-hmm. her really seductively. And then his buddy's telling him, oh, well, that, that dude is this dude and that dude. He tells him he's Ike Turner or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, like, Why no. the fuck would Ike Turner be at the dance? That's <laughs> all I was saying about the racism in it. It's like, oh, yeah, all black people are Ike Turner, you fucking ding dong. Well, yeah. I think I don't. I think he was fucking with him, and then Michael he was like, "What, really?" Him. And he's like, "Shut up! That guy's name is Gary." <laughs> yeah, that guy's name is Gary, which made me laugh. But then he starts talking about the giant condoms and shit. Right. And, so there's some. But, but I did notice that. That's besides the point. Though what I noticed was that um, Daryl didn't really notice her until she was with another person. Do you know what I'm saying? Like she didn't really have that attractive value to him until he saw her with someone else, and I think that kind of fueled him. More sure. to like want to be with her, you know, because then he starts coming on real strong after that. Again, he is not he is not recovered. He is not healed. He has not begun. No, he is far dude. from fucking no, good. Yeah. He's still yeah. like got a lot of shit, and you know this. But this He's is the first thirty days. This is not yes. about. This is and not about the program he works. This mm-hmm. is about his fucking rehab, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. The next step, this is the end of rehab, by the way. So they've graduated. Yeah. So they have done their 30 days or 28 days or whatever the fuck it is. And um, they're released. So Daryl and his sponsor, Richard, go to Daryl's apartment, which is basically like Hilarious, any place yeah. that I've ever fucking lived with the yeah. fucking rotten bananas that's and so the funny. ants. I was like, that's John's house. <laughs> Cherry was much Megan. cleaner than I was. It's like tapping. Um, Megan, that's John's house. That's how John lived. She's like, I know, I've been there. I've been there. Just fucking foulness and just like ashtrays and bottles and food and just letting food rot. Like, oh yeah, it's gnarly. I can't fathom that the now. I can't mm. fathom that. So he goes and he helps him clean up. He's like, where's your stash? And they clean up. They dump all the bottles. He's got tons of liquor at his house. So he dumps all the liquor bottles. And at one point, he dumps out the drawer, like the dresser drawer. Yeah. And he gets everything out, but he takes the dust buster to get the fucking yeah, coke out of the Yeah, dust devils all the powder out of it. It's so funny, dude. That's what I thought was a really mm-hmm. funny scene to me because I was like, yeah. that dude will, if left alone and stressed out enough, take a thumbtack and try to, you know what I mean? Scrape all the mm-hmm. fucking blow out of the corners of that fucking dresser, you know? Mm-hmm. And still, this uh, Daryl has not seen or felt or had to deal with any repercussions of the woman who has died that he was doing coke with. At one point in the movie, they say, no, she's the one who brought it to me, is what he says. Now, Right, he says that in the beginning of the movie, too, though. Because he says like, to her, where did you get the shit? This shit is great, where did you get it? He says to her right. before he does before that. He knows, yeah. Before he knows that she died, right? Yeah, does he so, ever face repercussions to that? No, that was a big problem I had with the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously this is only the first 30 days, but like there was they, no cops, there's right. no, like somebody died. And so whether or not he was the one who, even if she was the one who provided the coke, I mean, I'm sure there's mm-hmm. got to be some sort of fucking culpability. Also, why did the cops show up for an OD? I don't know. I, and, and if you're listening to this and you were a drug user... <laughs> send me an email let me know if the cops show up at od scenes like if you call and you're like the EMT. hey i need someone to come down here and give me some narcan or my roommate some narcan because he owed he or they od'd maybe do the I cops know. roll up too like that would seem like it would discourage you from calling the emts to come help you if you are having a problem which is pretty fucking typical right i mean well yeah, I mean these yeah. these systems are built a certain way for a certain reason, but it seems <laughs> fucked up that the police yeah. roll up 
to a fucking medical call for an OD. You know, you'd yeah. think they would roll up afterwards. Yeah. Know? Like, are you that desperate to make a fucking Well, drugs butt? are illegal. So if you tell somebody yeah. we were doing coke and somebody won't wake up, drugs, there's obvious, there's a crime involved. Yeah, supposedly. that's fucked up, though. I mean, yeah. you're right. It's fu- The policy is stupid. But anywho. Yes. Anywho, let's just gloss over this poor dead lady that was just trying to party. Like, so that was the that was the that. yeah that was the biggest fucking problem I had is that well there that were was no the reason re- why he went to rehab wasn't it was that he yeah, was trying to not to get arrested her. so then so, it's weird oh, that problem's gone don't worry about that yeah so that was I mean maybe that comes later and we don't get to see it and maybe it was yeah. cut out of the movie because the movie's two fucking hours already Pretty long yeah it was like fucking John making watch a two, <laughs> two hour, hour sad movie. AA movie <clears throat> and then I suggest to you a sadder <clears throat> movie but let's yeah let's keep rolling. We'll 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 get into that. I but I love Richard yeah. Lewis. Um, I I tweeted at him to be on the podcast. I don't know if he'll get back to me, but why is he in recovery? Richard Lewis? Oh yeah, has yeah. been for years. I didn't know that. I just thought he was just. I I, I knew his whole act was that he was, um, uh, neurotic, neurotic, depressed yeah, Jewish yeah. man. Yeah, that was yes. his whole act, which was not really my jam. But right. then Mark Maron did it, and I loved it because Mark Maron does it with salt. Mark Maron does it with like salt and piss, and I love mm-hmm. it. He's mean, but anyhow. Um, so he's so back in the house, right? He's, back, he's, he's out of he rehab. He's got nothing to do. He's milling he's back about. Back in town, the boys are back in town. They're bored as fuck. That's what this scene should be called. I love, and it took me a minute to realize what he was doing when he's laying in bed and can't get to sleep, mm-hmm. and he pulls the mattress out of his apartment and he throws it in the trash around the corner, mm-hmm. and it's because he, that's where she died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ew. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so we get to see parts of him s- struggling with this, but like it never yes. comes to fruition that he gets gets fucking thrown in jail or show gets any repercussions for that crime, at least in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I got really lucky that I got sober with a family, which sounds really weird. Mm-hmm. But I got very lucky because I, I imagine for you it must have been a whole different fucking sure. box of fucking worms because mm-hmm. you were like a, like a single guy alone. Yes. Like you ha- had nothing to do but get fucked up. And then once you stopped getting fucked up, you just like – Had nothing do to do. do? <laughs> right. Exactly. So at least I knew I had to like feed the baby, change diaper. You know, I had to do daily maintenance, daily maintenance, always something to do. I had to go to work to make food to feed the baby, you know, and mm-hmm. hang, and then repair the relationship with my wife and shit. And, and so there was always constantly something for my attention. So I couldn't – you get a lot of props for that. Anybody who gets sober without that net – it's tough, man. It looks mm-hmm. tough. Like watching that really, re- it resonated with me in a weird way where I was like, that looks tough. Like I couldn't put myself in those shoes because I wouldn't understand it. You know. So his, in in that scene where he's kind of like, they show the montage of like cutting from sitting in the chair to the couch, to the yeah. kitchen table, to the mm-hmm. bed. And like, I did a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I did a lot, a lot, a lot of that. Where I mean, we played like, some video games together, right? So we had sure. that at least, but. And I don't know. I mean, I, I still think, uh, we should do the Twitch stream, but uh, anyhow, <laughs> just you and me. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so he throws the mattress out. He's fucking freaked out. And he decides he's going to pursue a relationship with Charlie from rehab. Now, Charlie from rehab had her boyfriend slash husband come into the group therapy early and they're fucking yelling at each other. And he's the one who's like, you fucking... You know, did you? Oh, that's right, because she called him out on being on probation. Yeah. So, um, so he's a fuck up, right? He's a fucking loser too, yeah. right? He's an addict, or something's up with him. We don't know. Dude, that dude looks <laughs> like if Coda and Frankenstein had a baby. 
He looks rough. <laughs> he looks like uh, he does. He does. He kind of looks like fucking raggedy, drug-addled Ron Perlman from uh, from Beauty and the right? Beast, but smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, you look like Solomon Grundy from the DC comic universe. Wait, who's Solomon hair. Grundy? I don't know who that is. Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. He's like a big zombie dude who walks around mm. kicking ass, taking names. Pretty oh. much this dude. This dude's hair. So I don't know, man. Yeah, it looks like a kid drew his hair. Like, <laughs> like you drew a person and you're like, draw long hair on that person, and that was that guy's hair. Was just like, uh-huh. <laughs> what a fucking mess. Yeah. Um. So everybody's and hair. He's in an this asshole. Place. He's such an asshole. He's an asshole too. So Daryl calls up Charlie. And is like, hey, come meet me at the movies. And she's like, yeah. I got a boyfriend. I, or no, she says, I live with someone. So this is her live-in yeah. boyfriend, right? And so, right. like, already, I now I understand the desperation. I understand the loneliness. I understand he's reaching out to the only other person that he knows knows him in a way that nobody else does. So there's this connection. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. totally misguided. It's totally fucking, like, wrong, right? Yeah. I mean, this is not the way to go about it, but... I understand it, if not condone it, if I don't condone right. it, right? Right. And so they go to the movie theater date, and so he's thinking, I'm going to get some action. Like, I'm, I'm here to fucking, like, and, like, mess around, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to, like, do get something working in the movie theater, which they he fucked it up, and so they're sitting in a Care Bears movie <laughs> with a right. bunch of kids. And she's yeah. like, what are you doing staring at me? And she's like, "Just I just wanted to fucking hang out with another sober person, right? Yeah. So he gets rejected. Which is weird. And to be like, let's um, go see a movie. Let's go see a That's movie. That's our sober way of hanging wink, out. Wink. Like the first time we hang out. Yeah. So that doesn't work. And another um, product of this movie as, or a, another, this movie as a product of its time, he yells as she's leaving, I'm in the book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hear. yeah. I forgot about that. <clears throat> and so for those of you who don't know, he's talking about the phone book. I get phone books now and just throw them away. Yeah, I have one here. I'm like, don't. I put them in the recycling. I kept it this time because I have a landline, and then I thought, well, if the shit really does go down, I can at least call the plumber when the toilet back. I don't know. Right. When the, but if the shit went down, the plumber wouldn't be there. He probably has true. a cell phone. So, <laughs> right. So, quote, so I put in question question mark hitting on a taken woman. Like it's just like it doesn't feel doesn't sit right with me. He's not. Um, he's not being true to himself he is doing the self-will run riot shit while still working a program right well in the beginning of it right right but he doesn't know any better he's got to learn he's learning um but also so he he invites her over for dinner right she agrees it's a lovely dinner well he goes over there for dinner first doesn't he yeah he goes to her house oh yeah he goes to her house very tense dinner very weird dinner and then her old man lights up a joint Right. He's like, you think that's a good idea with us right. hanging around here? Sober people, you're lighting up a joint. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. You're in my house. Go kick rocks. Right. Michael Keaton's like, this oh, dude's a fucking he's dick. fucked up. He's a dick. You should, you know, so he invites her over you for dinner and ass. he's like, you should mm-hmm. be with me. And he like, he immediately says, live with me, move in with me. And I'm just like, this whole this thing is, insane. is weird. Right? And it I was think weird. it is because he's in early recovery. And I think they're trying to, I am hoping they're trying to show us portray that in early recovery you're a fucking idiot like you're yes you're not an idiot but do you know what i mean you make very rash decisions i apologize people in early recovery you're not idiots i'm glad you figured it out but <laughs> disclaimer <laughs> but I think yes this character in early recovery is making idiot decisions and i think they're trying to show that that 
folly of right getting your legs out under you, getting your legs back, your yes. sea legs back, and then just kind of. I don't know, man. He vacillates between trying to fuck her and trying to help her. So right. He's constantly like, let's let's make you a script. Let's make you an inventory. Let's fucking right. make you up. Let's work the program the way I'm working it. But also, I want to fuck you too. And I'm yeah. like, damn, dude. Like, that's not <clears throat> how you do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not how you do yeah, that. Yeah, you got to let that one go, dude. Like, mm-hmm. that's not for you. That's for her, you know? So, and speaking of script, at one point, his sponsor says, you need to make a script about what you're going to say to your boss because you got to right. make amends for the... And that's why he tells her you got to write a script right. to break up with your old man. That's when she goes back to dinner at his house. It's a very lovely dinner. She says, I brought tequila, the paper bag, and he pulls it out into the old Pepsi bottle. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well played. I'm going to drink some soda. And then they're drinking <laughs> the soda, which I think is a great touch. This movie also is great with continuity. He's, in the beginning, shaving with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And then when he goes to the office to tear it up, he's got like a one-day growth of hair. Like you can tell he just recently shaved, but hair's starting to come out again. Like I'm like, oh, they do the mm-hmm. continuity pretty good. She brings Cokes, and then they drink the Cokes, you know. Right, right. It's mm-hmm. it's it's it ended up being a really good movie to me. Um yeah. so yeah, I keep saying like Dar- and writing down Daryl's motives are suspect, right? He's confused, he's right. desperate, he doesn't know, he doesn't have any of the fucking tools of recovery. Again, this right. is within the first thirty fucking days and he's asking a woman right. to live with him. So he's yes. trying to fill that hole, dude. Yes, he he's is not doing it right. Fucking yeah. So um so that doesn't work and she goes back to her husband and he tries to get her she tries to call him and break up with him yet that doesn't mm-hmm. work she leaves she's back with her husband um right well he comes over to the house yeah and tries to manipulate her and, right and tries to gaslight her and he's like crying and, and then you know, is that isn't that before she goes back to her husband that's before she goes yeah. back to him yes yeah because he because michael keaton's like oh no fuck you you're in my fucking house buddy i fucking tell you fuck you you can fucking beat it and the dude like gets up and you can see the fear he like does it really well because michael Ke- michael keaton's like trying to be strong but he's also very uncertain because this guy's a goddamn mm-hmm. tombstone yeah he yeah. just gets up like a tombstone you know and michael mm-hmm. keaton's just like oh shit i made a mistake but i'll still fight this fool but i think i made a mistake you know and then the dude leaves and then she goes back to him because he got gaslight because their relationship is such shit and she's been doing coke yeah because he finds out she's been doing blow so there and there's so yeah so there's two different there's two important things here near the end of the movie um it's it's she he finds that they're talking and he finds the cocaine in her purse because he's right. looking for a light for his cigarette right um boom. he doesn't do the coke he doesn't do it he doesn't do the Obviously, coke she she yeah. flushes it flushes it down the toilet Right. Um, and then she goes on and she goes back to whatever she's got to do. So Daryl still has to deal with the embezzlement. So he still has to go talk yeah. to his bosses. Yeah, weird. So we've got these two things going on, right? So he finds the Coke. She flushes it like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. I guess, you know, we don't know what the resolution is just yet. And um, mm-hmm. is she or isn't she going to go back on the Coke? So he goes and he, he talks to his bosses and they're, he's like, I'll fix. First, he tries to lie his way out of it again. Yeah, he does, dude. It's terrible. It's a terrible lie. Like, dude, it's come so on fucking now. bad. Michael I can't even remember the lie. What was the lie? He was just He was just like, I just had this thing and the secretary, remember. it was a phone. We did a phone transfer and it was the weekend and right, like blah 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 and all this shit. shit. And Michael yeah, okay. Keaton plays it to a T. Like he's brilliant mm-hmm. in this movie. Like it's yeah, really Yeah, he really is, dude. All yeah. the flaws that I could say or like the corniness of the time, like in 88, this was probably super fucking powerful, right? Right. Um, so they basically say you're fired. 
you can pay the money back and we won't put you in jail, but you're fucking fired. And he mm-hmm. has to go. He goes out on tons and tons of job interviews, and he's just shut down every single goddamn time. Yeah, and nothing works, right? So it's like this, right? Like the the whole unraveling of of all of this, right? Still nothing about the dead woman, but we there's no yeah. That's the biggest. Problem. Oh, that's a that's a fart in the wind. That's gone. Uh, so, R.I.P. Pretty lady's ass. You served your purpose <laughs> for this movie. So he goes to see Charlie. Back at his place. Oh, that's when they. Oh, they. So yeah, we already talked about that. Sorry. Um, but they end up breaking up, right? They end up you saying Charlie. Yeah, she's just like I can't be fucking with you no more because I got this man back at the crib and and right. like he needs me because that he guy gaslit her because he's like oh every time I treat you like shit because I'm going through my own shit baby it's not it's not like mm-hmm. what it is what you think it is and blah 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 you know manipulating her ass so she goes back to him because she's like I gotta take care of this fucking big galoot and do coke and so she's like I can't mm-hmm. yeah she's just like he gets real heavy like get in here I love you I'm feeling you or whatever and she's just like fuck you dude no don't talk to me anymore we're done right. Like I'm gonna be right. kicking it with this dude over here because he needs my help <clears throat> with Lenny, <laughs> Leonard. So, so the next scene we see her driving in a car. Well, and, he can't or, hold on though. Before we get oh, to this sorry. part, he keeps calling the house like obsessively. Oh yes, calling that's the right. House. Mm-hmm. And Lenny keeps answering, and Lenny's like, "Fuck you! She don't want to talk to you. Fuck you! She ain't here." And he just keeps calling back, back, back. And then finally, she has it with him calling back. And she's like, I got to be out. I'm going to go get cigarettes. And and so in this scene, I didn't know, was she leaving to go to him? Or was she just like, oh, I got to get out of this house and go get cigarettes? They make it very ambiguous. Right. Like, is she going to go back to Keaton and be like, stop calling me, goddammit. Or, yo, you're right. I need to be with you. I don't know. They made it very ambiguous. Mm-hmm. I didn't care, though. I like at this point I was like I don't give a fuck about y'all's relationship like this is doomed from the start right. you do not need to be having a relationship right now so I don't care about what you two do I mean right. I want her to get sober I guess as a character but they don't need to be together we don't right. need that yeah so she she she's got the cocaine and she's trying to do coke in the car while she's doing driving bullet. <laughs> yeah doing bullets and fucking you ever do coke out of a bullet I've never no. had the opportunity to do it out of a bullet very no. popular back in that day though <laughs> Um, she gets into a car accident. We don't know. I mean, I assume she dies, but I mean, the, the, it was pretty severe and this car slams into her while she's in the middle of trying to do a bump. And, mm. um, and that's the end of Charlie as far as the movie right. is concerned. I was like, oh shit, she's dead. Like yeah. I thought maybe she'd be really injured and now we're going to go into the whole hospital trope and have him, right. you know, she's yeah. fucking but no, dead. She's just dead. They're like, we kill the women in this movie. The women, mm-hmm. the important women in this movie. Do we kill them? So she takes, you know, so she takes off, she dies. Um, and this is pretty much the final, gets us to the final scene of the movie, which, which shocked me, which was, which is where we started kind of, which is the, uh, the, the sponsor, Richard gives his share. And then we go into Michael Keaton or Daryl's giving his share for his 30 day right. chip. That's what shocked. And that's me. what we go like. It's only been thirty fucking days. All this has happened. Yeah, feels like a goddamn lifetime. Uh huh. Like I thought this dude was getting his year chip. I thought he was getting his year chip, and he yeah. was up there getting his thirty day fucking chip. And he told some pretty fucking spicy ass jokes. I laughed. Like <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. And nobody was laughing. No, I don't because he wasn't. He uh, was just like, yeah. 
I he pretty much was like told the story and was honest. He's like, I checked into rehab not to get sober, but to run away from the police because I was so fucked up. And that to me was funny. I was like laughing at that shit. He's like, I checked uh-huh. into the last place they thought to look for a drug addict, which is fucking rehab. And I was like, damn, this dude's got some material. Like he could do the circuit. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? he could do the speaker meeting circuit. I don't know if they pay you to do the speaker meeting circuit, but if <sighs> they paid you, he could probably do it because he's you right. know, he looks like Beetlejuice. He looks like America's shady dad up they there. They might put you f- up at the Motel Six and get you a Salisbury steak, you know. But. Boom, doing some service, you know. That you sell a couple of wristbands. I don't know. I don't know what that is like. I because I imagine there are speakers who travel on circuits. I'd like to know about how they sure. work that out. I'd be like, do you get paid to be a speaker? I but doesn't that well, you, change the does whole that go message again? of AA? Does it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got it to be able to allow. If you have somebody who's who's who has some value to speaking, who right. can help people. Then yeah, I'm not saying you should be fucking swimming in it, but no. you should be if that's your job. Be like compensated for your time. You should to be show compensated for your time on your some story. level. Somebody. But I mean, I don't days. know that. I don't think AA itself is. I don't know, but I don't think AA pays you out of their coffers. Maybe I don't. If, also, listener, if you know about this shit, mm-hmm. write us. Let us know. I guess um, we could just go and ask AA people. But John and I, it's there's a fucking quarantine going on <laughs> we can't do that so his eyes he's all <laughs> teared up and there's this thing he does where the chip is on a little like ring like it's on a little mm-hmm. chain right a small little chain yeah. and he kind of holds it up and i feel like either i've seen this scene or i've seen michael keaton and just the way he like moves his hand like there's uh-huh. something to me there was something really powerful about like the way that really he really mm-hmm. and i'd seen it before or i felt it and it was just this kind of like how he was holding it behind his head and he kind of pulls mm-hmm. it out, and then he cups it, and he's like, and I got this 30-day chip. Keaton's a great actor, though. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's using his space. Yeah. And, and it gave weight to those 30 days, which those 30 days should have weight. Those 24 hours should have weight. I mean, there's a scene with Freeman yeah. telling him it's all second by second, hour by hour, you know, minute by minute, hour by hour, one day at a time. You know, that's how we got to do this shit. Mm-hmm. And so that that holds weight. I got someone real close to me who just got 30 days. And I'm super fucking proud of him, and it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to express that in a correct way. Do you know what I'm saying? Without sounding like too, ah, I'm not worried about sounding corny. It's just hard for me to like. Sometimes I feel like it's hard for me to express how important that is. And but not just the 30 days, just any manner of time mm-hmm. that you spend in reflection, not actively trying to attain your drug of choice. You know what I mean? Or actively trying mm-hmm. to use your addiction is is fucking so important. That's why I liked about this movie. I love that this movie was like early recovery. I made me remember a lot of early recovery. Mm-hmm. It made me think about a lot of that shit I was going through and how you go through different phases. Like you're not always going to be in early recovery. And it, it's not like an overnight thing where one day you're like, bing. Oh, you know, like some alcoholic fairy comes in and hits you with a little wand and tells you you're no longer in early recovery. Like there's just this gradual kind of change, like any change in your life. You know, unless they're major ones, you know, the, like the little ones are always real gradual. It was a good mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. But also really did a disservice to the female characters in the movie. Very much a product of its time, I think. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, so I would, I don't know what our rating system is. It's like fucking two chips up or uh, five. Two chips up. <laughs> I don't know. Two, two, two airplane, two empty airplane bottles, you know, uh-huh. like, I don't um, know. Well, I don't know. I don't, I, I rate it. I don't know. That's great. I don't know. I, I don't enjoyed it. I give it a chip rating. I enjoyed I, it. How about it? It wasn't a shit show. No. But it was pretty good. He was, I he was she, awesome in it. Yeah. Um, 
And the thing maybe I maybe like that, our ooh, go ahead. What? Sorry, I was only going to say is that I think the overarching theme and the thing that I really appreciated about what came up over and over and over is addicts are compulsive. Yes. Yeah. And so insight into compulsive behavior, him calling her, him trying to hit on her, him, you know, at one point, you know, he's eating all the ice, the, the milkshakes too. It was like, ah, there's nothing but there's nothing but milkshakes in that piss. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so I would, I would say like the rating system should be like maybe the, a a 10 star movie would be like taking a cake and a one star (laughs) movie would be like having a blackout. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just right. Find the shit in the middle, like a five star movie would be like twenty four hours. Twenty four hours. I yeah. don't know, but I would probably give this movie twenty four hours. To, yeah, you know, no, because yeah, this it isn't was... quite taking a cake. No, it's not. But it's... sure as hell ain't a blackout. No, it's not. It's D- but yes, DUI blackout. I, I like I said, I wa- I thought I was gonna watch it in two chunks. I was gonna watch. I was like, fucking two hours. I'll watch yeah. one hour tonight and I'll finish it tomorrow. Entertaining because Keaton made it so entertaining, dude. He did. He really, really did. Yeah. Um, Is that what you're going to say? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to that's just talk it. over you. Yeah. So I think, like I said, it's portrayal of early recovery, I think, was semi-accurate. They did mm-hmm. as well as they could for Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, Hollywood always gets it wrong one way or another, at least in my opinion. And I feel like his character's arc was weird for 30 days, but also makes sense that he would do a bunch of dumb shit mm-hmm. in 30 days. I don't know. It was all right. It was, it was like I said, middle All of the right. road. Middle of the road. Yeah. But the yeah, performance was excellent. So and, and for yeah. for a weird sort of mediocre and problematic um, storyline in some ways, yeah. mm-hmm. um, inaccurate and not holding the main characters accountable, right. Michael Keaton's performance was fucking spot on. There's no right. Morgan there's, Freeman was good. Yep. Hair and makeup did my boy dirty, though. <laughs> he did him very dirty. Yes. Um, yeah, but, Kathy Baker yeah. was great as the abused she was wife. Yeah, she was really good, man. A lot of nuance mm-hmm. in her fucking character. You could see a lot mm-hmm. of nuance. There was mm-hmm. a lot of very subtle class between them too, like class, uh, like an abrasion of class. Like as mm-hmm. far as her being lower class and him being of a middle class, and right. there was some, you know, she kind of touches on that. You can see that in her performance where she's like in his space and feeling weird about being in his space because she's like a quote unquote poor person, you know? right? Yeah, it was a good movie. I wouldn't watch it again. No. No. <laughs> I'm glad we I'm did. Good. It's over. It's yeah, done I'm with. Yeah, glad we did. Too. We'll move on to the next thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank you, Patreon patrons, pa- patrons. And um, if you have any suggestions, let us know. Patronies. Thanks, Patronies. Former party people. Um, Peace. Yeah. So, this, uh, once you, um, that I think that's it, man. Yeah, we got it on Amazon Prime. It's not. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. No, mine was only ninety nine cents. I don't know if I had it. Yeah, on mine sale was. Or I think mine was ninety nine no... cents too. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend Torrentine. So it's, it was a good deal. A because Torrentine is illegal, and B it's an old movie. Nobody's really sharing that <laughs> shit, so you're probably not gonna find it anyway. All right, right on, Jerry. All right, man. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Bye. Thanks again for your support and helping us get this message out to people who still need it. Our music is by Neglect. You can find more of his work at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and A is for alcoholic.com. Thanks for listening.